0: Welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. I'm your host Mike Sorelli. Uh, humbled to have Harry uh, Arnett on. Uh, you may have recognized Harry from uh, Wall Wall Street, um, where it depicted the launch of Municipal, which he is the uh, the, the co-founder and CEO, uh, paired with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Stephen uh, Levinson. But you guys launched right during the COVID pandemic,
1: right? Right in the middle of the damn thing. As a matter of fact, we uh, when everything shut down in America, Mike, which was in uh, March of, of 2020, we were about 60 days away from launching the business. So putting, you know, having our products on on uh, available for sale, our, a revenue generating moment that every every startup is looks for that moment when you you are going to be starting revenue everything started shutting down in the middle of March. We lost all of our funding abruptly. So not even, Hey, you got a month to figure it out. We had three days before we had to make payroll. And, um, so everything shut down. Uh, and we were, you, you mentioned wall street. If you watch season one, nothing like starting a business, going through all that and getting the entire world to be able to see you standing on the edge of the cliff looking out over the abyss. Wait, wait, wait a second. So my, my wife and I binged
0: on it when it came out and we, we freaking yeah. loved it. But re- yeah. remind me, it just hit me as you're saying. So am, am I correct in remembering that? Because when the, the, the you know COVID hit, one of your major investors pulled out, right? The yeah,
1: they the pulled out abruptly because they we were the only startup that they had in their portfolio, which was you know nice that they they invested in us and they had a long history with Mark, a lot of success with Mark, and uh, with a lot of the businesses that he had from f forty five gyms to Wahlburgers to other things, and we were the only startup, so the, uh, we were fortunate that that they funded us from day one to get Municipal off the ground because it it really it fit into their portfolio. They loved the, they loved the positioning. They loved, um, they loved it, just everything about the business. Um, nobody could have foreseen the the pandemic, of course. And when, uh, and when the pandemic hit the U.S. and things started to shut down so quickly, I mean, um, that they, they had to really focus on their ongoing businesses. So they they had to pull pull the funding. And the the mechanics of that were we were getting funded in tranches like most every startup does. If we hit certain certain thresholds, Mike, we would get our, you know, we get our funding, we would revisit it. We were four days away from the next funding tranche when they pulled out. So we had four days to to figure out how uh how we were gonna make payroll, how we were gonna pay our bills. And you know, we had 13 employees that had left the comforts of uh security at, at bigger places to come join this wild ride. And we had to we had to figure all that out. And it really was like living in uh a simulation <laughs> a simulation. Oh, wait, there wait, a
0: business yeah. Yes. There wait. were a lot of
1: times I woke up Mike and it was like is this really happening to me? Like how, how did this happen? And you don't, you don't have the luxury of just being able to stay in bed and pull your, pull your, uh, pull the blankets up over your head. So you really, well, actually, we you really do. had to, you, you do have yeah, to. I guess to. you can, yeah. I guess you can. And then everything will, will blow up. But um, it really was um, in some ways, everyone was healthy, uh, which was great. Like we didn't, we weren't in an industry um, where, where the, you know, real sickness really uh, affected the, the people and families. So we were lucky that way. And we had to focus on the things that mattered the most to us, the things that mattered the most, literally to the business to keep us going, to get to the next day. It challenged our creative thinking. It challenged our resolve. And I think we came out of it, even though I think we're probably, you know, all in, it probably set us back a year, year and a half, maybe from a business trajectory, but it made us a lot stronger as a company. And I think the things, the choices that we made during that time really set us up for much more long-term success than we probably even would have had under smoother times. So, but you, you know, another, and I, w- I want to put a pin on this right here cause we're going to come
0: back to it. Cause I'm sure at the time you're like, this is probably the lowest moment of my life. And now looking back, you're probably like, that was the the biggest learning experience, the biggest grit resiliency building character building experience I've ever been through, but did it really set you back when it set everyone back a year to, to 1.5 years? Um, just giving you a a different optics on that. Um, Mike, thank you. You
1: chiseled chiseled away my perfectionism again. You're absolutely right. I guess who, who cares? Timelines are irrelevant, you know? Um, so no, I just, I think my expectation going in, leaving something, uh, leaving something that I love, leaving something that, um, you know, quantifiable, frankly, and then comparing that, you know, just based on even before, but in the, in the, in the context that you just bring, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're right where we should be ahead of, I think where our expectations were as far as what we think the brand is meaning to people. Um, and just the, the level of connectivity that we've been able to have internally and with the people that buy our products. What,
0: so it, you know, it almost added a story to municipal that you didn't intend to be part of the storyline because of, <laughs> of, of the, of the promotion. But, um, Hey, well, you know what, that, that one, po- that one year to 1.5 years in your expectations, I call that, uh, and, you know, I wrote a book called the everyday warrior, the, the, the podcast called the everyday warrior. It's cause you, sir, like uh, like all warriors hold themselves to to, to high standards, but here I want to back up and we'll get back to this. Give people you know over three to five minutes what what, what your background is, especially with uh, with TaylorMade and Callaway, and then who the hell came up with the idea of Municipal? I, I'm assuming it's you, and how did you go from the back of a, a, a of a napkin to full fledged pitching it to uh, to your partners? But give, give us just a little background on you.
1: Yeah. So I, I've always worked in, um, in the last 20 years, worked at, at uh, product led companies that, um, that are in the workout sports space. Um, Russell athletic left there, went to TaylorMade, then to Callaway, a lot of learning on all three, you know, all three of those experiences, um, TaylorMade, really dynamic time where TaylorMade separated itself from the entire golf industry by virtue of marketing innovation and transitioning from being entirely sales-driven to being more market-led into Callaway, which was a full turnaround, dusting that brand off, modernizing the the uh, the positioning, modernizing the way that we marketed, modernizing the way that we we connected to golfers in a way to explain our um, our difference in the market and being and being innovation led. Um, so that really set me up to um, to this experience of municipal. And to to answer your question, it really was a collaboration among me, Mark, and Lev, and others that were part of the early team on um on the brand mark and lev had had been wanting to um to get into the the apparel space the gear space for a long time and mark was going through a transition of of his of his own on what he wanted to spend his time and effort and energy on for the next you know 20 or 30 years he had he had made that transition in the entertainment world where he was starting to be more out in front, more producing, more creating, instead of just being a hired gun. And he felt that same way about this business that he just didn't wanna be a hired gun. He didn't wanna just be a brand ambassador for some big brand. And um, he really wanted something that represented himself and something that he could kind of sink his teeth into and help direct and help develop the business and the stuff that he really is passionate about. Um, and so Mark and Levitt had this this notion of of a brand um, in the sports space of being uh, kind of the the uh, giving more and more people access to quality and to style that maybe they weren't used to getting so or making those kind of compromises. And so I really, I love that. I, I really loved, um, I really loved that, that mission of let's, let's make incredible style and quality and luxury. Let's make that really accessible for the masses. And the more that we started talking about it, um, the more that we started to really shape what this brand was going to be in terms of the products we made and, and the, the influences that would go into it, so s- sport performance because we love we love sports, um, we love athletes. Also, some luxury luxury cues because we love the whole experience, the luxury experience you get, the white glove treatment, the just the the concierge aspect of what luxury brands are all about. We didn't like the um, exclusivity part of that. And we were were thinking about cool street wear um, style. And then the the other thing, and this is probably because of where we were in in our lives, is like we don't want to sacrifice comfort because at any given point, we're going from meetings to gym to picking the kids up to whatever else um, in the office. And we want to have comfort that's versatile among all those things. So you throw those into a pot, Mike. You just throw them in, shake it up, and I think that my experience um, working at kind of big companies, big dynamic places, was making sense of all of those things into a cohesive brand positioning and getting the team um, oriented around what it is we're trying to accomplish. So I
0: I love how you just story short.
1: Long story short, who is responsible? Everyone was responsible because this thing has it's uh, everyone's fingerprints on it, including the feedback loops that we developed early on from, from customers and early fans of the brand that would kind of signal to us what direction we should be going after we launched it. Because launching the business is a great accomplishment for anyone, but really where the rubber hits the road is how willing are you to have your ears be so much bigger than your mouth and to not get wrapped around your own ego that, you know, you have the answers for everything.
0: That, so that, that brings up such, such a good topic, but I don't know if you recognize it. I, I almost love it to the brand. Cause you're like, yeah, we wanted quality and luxury sports performance, luxury prestige, sort of that concierge experience. Oh, and I got to go pick up the kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, without exactly. exclusivity.
0: It's just, exactly you know, that's, that's, I don't want to say it's a sad state of life of like, hey, guess what? In your thirties, forties, fifties, you have kids. You can still be the badass, and yeah, you got to go pick up the kids in the minivan or whatever SUV you got. Uh-huh. But um, so, when you were looking and you, you talked about brand positioning, and you guys got really, it sounded like you got really excited. Um, and now you're moving from companies that you stepped into that are well established, and you're starting from scratch, which. Having been an entrepreneur, and most of my companies have failed or or are textbook failures, and I'm fine with that. I've learned a lot from them, and the ones that have done well are, are doing well. Um, as you looked at brand positioning, what was the closest brand that you guys saw compared to what your vision was, or was that space uh, blue ocean strategy completely open for the the taking in your eyes?
1: Well, my for better or for worse, I think me. Mark and Lev share this one attribute is that we don't like to do things that other people have done. <laughs> so that hurt us at the begin not hurt us. That that um that challenged us early because any any new entrant into a big space like athletic apparel for example, it's it's a lot easier to be, we're this version of that, or we're the lesser, we're the we're the more inexpensive version of that, or the more expensive version of that. And you also will hear a lot of um, people describe themselves that way, of like, who are you? Oh, we're we're like the more masculine Lululemon, or wh- who are you? Oh, we're the we're the more performance oriented Nike, you know, Under Armour. We're the more aggressive, masculine uh, Nike Under Armour. We're the more. Um, we're the more coastal version of Lululemon million companies. And so we, we didn't like that. We didn't like that. You know, we wanted to be our own thing. And we thought that um, we thought that if we could create our own lane and do our own thing, that would be a much bigger chance for us to succeed because um, internally and externally, every play that we ran that was going towards that positioning was going to be correct just because it was our own positioning. So, to, but to answer your question, what we really were thinking was, if, if, if the, the versatility and, and kind of fabric performance of, a, of an athleisure brand like Lululemon and the premiumness was going to get into a consensual relationship with Nike, so, bringing the sport, performance, use of color, energy, emotion around the brand. And then that consensual relationship <laughs> extended into really cool, exciting style that was driven from what was happening at the uh, at the cultural level, i e. streetwear. So like Supreme. If Supreme, Lululemon, Nike, and the la- the final piece of the puzzle was core stuff that everyone wanted. So there's a brand out here called James Purse that we like a lot. It's a you know it's a expensive brand. It's like two hundred dollar t shirts. If those four brands like had a baby, what would that be? And that's municipal. So, um, so to answer your question, who who inspired us? Like a lot of brands Just, inspired us yeah. a ton of brands inspired us but we also thought there's a curatorial part about what municipal is all about that we're going to we're going to bring to the table influences from all those thing all of those things hopefully in one cohesive package that'll be your favorite brand and um, a brand that you feel like you're going to want to buy a lot of because it's it's kind of everything that you're wearing all the time every day Um, we're not, we're not fashion. We're not street fashion. You don't have to feel weird that you're wearing something that looks like you're trying too hard. It's also performance oriented. So it's going to inspire you. And it has the versatility and comfort that you can wear it every day. And we just felt like that brand didn't exist because we, we've bought everything, we've looked at everything either as competitors or as consumers and the brand that we always wanted didn't exist. So rather than sit around and wait for it, let's go make it ourselves.
0: You know, it's, it's okay to look at other business models or, or other competitors in the space and say, Hey, what do they do? Well, what, what more importantly, what, what are they missing? And how do we fill that need? That's, that's part of the, the, I mean, that's process. innovation. No, that's innovation
1: yeah. is, is, and that works every, every damn time. If you see somebody doing something cool in another industry, if you bring elements of that to an industry that doesn't have it, that works. That works. I've been doing that for uh, un- unknowingly for 30 years of having to have a job of being influenced and inspired by stuff I was seeing outside of my little tunnel vision of my industry and thinking like, how would we bring that into that either like that exact business model or um, or influences of how that they connect with consumers and do that in in a similar way in the industry that I was in. So we always
0: believe that, you know, special operations has a sexy nature to it um, that uh, I know a lot of business leaders read books about special operations, small teams that statistically go up against larger forces and come out on top time and time again. The funny thing is when we're in special operations, who do you think we're writing books or we're reading books about you guys? (laughs) And one one of the most amazing trips I ever took and, and I helped set up uh, with a guy named Bill Campbell, who's known as the secret coach of Silicon Valley. Uh, he was the director of the board for Apple and then CEO of Intuit. But, um, cause I was born in, in, uh, in Palo Alto, California, but we 20 seals sat down with Larry Ellison, Sergey Brin, Mark Benioff, um, Tim cook, you, the list goes on and it was supposed to be a leadership exchange. I'll assure you, we exchanged squat. We were writing <laughs> down and listening to these, these world-class cutting edge leaders, the entire team. And we took so much away that people are like, well, what does it have to do with special operations? And to which I reply every fucking thing, everything, yeah. how they run their organizations, the best practices. I, I just interviewed a surfer 1977 world champ. And this guy's ability to reflect on what he learned. And, and I'm not a surfer. What, like I took so much away from it. I'm like, okay, I need to impl- implement that in my life, implement that in my life. Um, but dude, I want to say, here, you know, it's it's everyone is trying to differentiate themselves. And you guys have actually proven that you have, but I'm I'm not kidding you. Three times in the last 60 days, I've heard people come and they're like, hey, you know, we want to come on your podcast. We're creating this product or the service. We're differentiated from everyone else in the space. We're pretty much like the Uber of apparel. And I'm like, everyone is saying the Uber of this. I'm like, then that's not yeah. really uh differentiated. And maybe there is no True, you know, differentiation, um, especially in a space that you guys stepped into that's dominated by some giants. That's dude, I think I'd be the guy in the room that are like, Hey, let's, let's think twice about this. Cause we're, we're stepping into, is it safe to say you guys stepped into a saturated market? I mean, that
1: that's a huge yeah, challenge. I mean, I absolutely, I, I always remember that, that saying like, if, if the reason you're starting something starts with the, how big the market is, you probably don't have a great idea. So we kind of started with the idea and then um, and then figured out where where it was going to fit and going after a niche that turned out to be a pretty broad swath of a pretty big market. You know, the addressable market wasn't where we started. We started with what would be what's the thing that we feel like is so needed by everyone that doesn't exist. Not how big is that market? You know, the market in the United States is 100 billion dollars. Um, so that's pretty big. If we can just carve out our little niche, municipal sport utility gear, making the most comfortable versions of the shit you wear all the time from the morning, you, you know, the minute you wake up to the night, the time you go to bed and everywhere in between with and build a brand that actually stands for something, then not only will we build something pretty valuable, like that's going to be really fun for us to work on. Uh, and getting back to your, you know, the original, uh, uh, some of the thinking about how how often do you work? I mean, if maybe I work all the time. Does that mean that I'm have books out in front of me while I'm sitting at dinner with the kids? No, but it's 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 a it's a thing that inspires me and something that I love. I, but it, you know, there's
0: there's two ways to approach this 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 train of thought. Hey, you're not spending as much time with your family, but I think you're also setting an example of hard work. And if you take just a minute to reinforce to your kids, Hey, the reason that daddy's working so hard is to provide a different life for you guys. And hopefully you're taking away the lessons, but, um, you, you talk about a total addressable market. It's so funny. And I often hear, cause you know, in Austin, it's, it's a startup nation out here. Yeah. Um, we, we try to call ourselves Silicon Hills, but, uh, nothing touches Silicon. That's not Mall sticking. As much as they want to believe, uh, well, the total addressable market, if we just get 1%, we'll make, uh, a hundred million Yeah, good luck with that. Um I, I think that's where people get emotional. But let me let me ask this. In truth here, who came up with municipal, or did you guys go out to a branding agency? Because God knows oh, no. great branding agencies are are freaking awesome. Oh,
1: it was all internal. Yeah, Mark and Lev had come up with that name. Um because uh they they really they were thinking where is the place that everyone starts with their uh, their passion for sport? Where is the place? It's the municipal courts, and so they were you know municipal golf courses, municipal courts, municipal whatever like things that are just available to everyone. And so uh, um, they were. It was a concept that they had you know municipal. What what is just the name sounds cool. The name sounds like it's been around forever. It, it, it As a matter of fact, every time that we get in front of a customer or uh, uh, a fan of the brand who has just discovered us, they all assume we've been around forever because the name sounds like it's been around forever. Yeah. And again, the from a, a philosophical perspective, we really wanted a brand. If we were going to do something, we really wanted it to matter to people, that we wanted it to somehow change the trajectory of their life above and beyond making stuff that they thought was cool to wear or comfortable to wear. That really, if you're, if you're wearing a municipal product, we wanted that to inspire you and say something about the type of person you are. And so um, the name really is tapping into that part of your life where you thought if you could dream it, it could happen. And to not have any self-consciousness, to not have any barrier, to not have any past experience limit your thinking or limit your, your self-belief in what was possible. And, um, and we, that's what it is. That's what it's all about.
0: Let, let me ask you this. When they came to you with that name. Did you did you have a positive reaction or maybe allergic reaction at first or did you just have to sit on it for a while?
1: I I loved it because having been around like I I do not like um this is a personal thing. I do not like brands that don't have that the name doesn't mean it's anything. Cold. Yeah. I don't like brands fashion brands of names of people that don't exist. That oh this this name of you know, William added to this sounds like a pretty cool name or, and you you can name a thousand brands that have names of people that don't exist or some mythical, some mythical scion or mythical um, siren song to the, 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 uh, the type of image that they want to portray. Like that makes me want to puke. I don't like that. I don't, I I can't stand it. I don't tell tell me how you really feel yeah I just like I mean you're gonna get that for me. I just don't like that i I like things that have that have meaning, and I love names that are simple enough that you don't have to like ponder what what the name is all about or what the name means so um when they saw that when they mentioned that, I immediately let my mind start to wander of what that would look like in you know on things, how we would talk about it, how How we really could create events and and stuff around um, community, around education, around the 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 things that are beyond just the transaction. And I loved it. I I love big simple names. It's bold. It again looks like it's been around forever. And there's real substance. There's a real substance substantive connotation to it, and a real like kind of lunch paily. Connotation to it. It's not a sexy name. It's not tricky. It's not trying to be something that it's not. And that—that was what we wanted our company and our brand to be, and the people that work there to be. What you see is what you get. We say what we mean. We're honest. Our integrity cannot be compromised. We try—we try to say it with kind candor. We're never going to belittle anyone in our company. We're never going to insult anyone in the company or externally intentionally, but we are going to tell you what we mean. And if we say it, you can trust that we believe what we're saying and selling. I, so I love that. And I'm a firm believer in you lift your
0: partners up. You don't push them down, especially publicly. If there's something to deal with internally, you deal with it internally and then uh, and move on as a team. Um, let me ask this from the time that the three of you, Levin, Mark uh, yeah. and yourself said, okay, let's go to launch, and I understand just prior to launch COVID hit, how much planning uh, was involved? Were you you guys planning this for a year, 18 months before launch?
1: You're not going to like this answer because you're a really practical guy, but I would say me personally, I've been planning for it for 30 years. Um, So this is is your passion? Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to build something. I always wanted something that would, um, that would showcase, the the beauty and the 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 heroism of of the everyday and would would also inspire people to to get out of their own way to chisel away all the bullshit and rediscover or rediscover self-belief in pursuit of making big things happen like that that just now i just crystallized 30 years of probably a lot of different thoughts into what that meant. So for me, 30 years for Mark and Lev, a similar story. Now, when did it come down to the three of us saying enough screwing around? Let's put pen to paper and make this shit happen. From the moment we did that to the moment when there was a product to be to be purchased, I guess, was probably around two years and. I was probably the hold up there because I had a really comfortable job that I loved. And, you know, we, I was trying to think of, I was trying to not force myself into this binary thing of like, I either can do this or I have to leave and go do this. So I was like, okay, let me not, let me, let me stay in the middle somewhere and figure out what's, what is that space in the middle of those two, that binary decision look like Try not to force myself down into the, you know, the fallacy of, of binary choices. And, um, and where I, I would say that's good advice 99% of the time in this particular case, it was the horror. It was the worst thing I could have done because it, 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 forced me into a stasis that was really unhealthy to live in between those two worlds. So I was sort of like not all that present in one and not all that present in the other. And, you know, the, uh, the, I married really well. And my wife was like, what are you doing? Like, go do this. You have to do this. What, what, are you t- you know, what, what are you doing? Are you gonna sit around another 30 years trying to figure out the perfect opportunity? And let me help you understand, if it fails, you're gonna learn a lot in the process. You are not gonna sit here at 80, 80 years old and regret that you never went for it. And if it fails, you have enough track record that yes. you can go do something else but also, let me tell you this, having known you for a while, it's not going to fail. It's going to be successful in some regard. What that looks like, who cares? If you put a number to it, then you're falling into the trap of thinking about the addressable market instead of building something really cool and special. So thank God I married her. <laughs> and, and, and
0: so, but here's, here's the reason people don't do entrepreneurship because when you got a, a salary, and I know uh, I'm assuming you were the CMO of uh Callaway at the time,
1: yeah, uh-huh. um,
0: that's hard to leave that for the unknown.
1: Tell me about
0: it 99% are like, Yeah, f- screw that, dude. But it, it's more, it's less what I want to do and more the spouse, whether it's you know, whether you're a woman that's making the decision, going to your husband, yeah. or going to your wife. And so often, I, I married above my weight class big time, same, same. I'll be like, hey, I want to do isn't this. That nice? Mike, like, isn't that nice? Mike, isn't that nice? It's nice, but usually I refrain <laughs> for like three months of like approaching my wife and saying, hey, I want to leave this company and go do this. And she's like, yeah, fucking do it. I'm like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? That's that's the answer? Because that would have right. come to you three months ago. I love um, that. That's, that's awesome. So all your hard work, two years, you guys are trying on product. Uh, let me ask this before you go in. Have you ever been emotionally attached to a product and then Mark and Levin, your your partners are like, Yeah, we don't like it.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot a lot of times. A lot of times that happens. And you know, it's it's not a it, I hope they're not gonna watch this. Like it's not like a democracy it's not really a democracy either. Because yeah. yes. if you try to if you try to design and develop anything great by committee, um, then that's not, this doesn't really work that way. Well, I think sometimes it can. And, um, you know, I think that I I'm open-minded enough that to not fall in love with, to not fall in love with the toys so much. So, um, or not, you know, not fall in love with the idea so much and, and more, um, more be passionate about the execution and the buy-in from as many people as possible for the end product. And we, we yeah. try to hire that way too. So, you know, it's one thing to hire really creative people, which we do, but we also want to make sure that we hire people that are fully bought in to the notion of um, of value-based collaboration is is what our, our innovation's all about. It's a team sport. And you have to, hiring people that love that process. And so, you know, yeah, there's tons of time. As a matter of fact, it makes me a little nervous when I show them something that we have, have come up with and they're like, great, we love it how it is. Because then I start to question, are you really engaged in this? (laughs) Because, because uh, that's too easy. So a good example of that, Mike, is we have, we have um, shoes, we're launching a shoe in the middle of the year and uh, towards the end of the year. Now that's audacious too. The company of ours will really launch a shoe, but we had an awesome concept um, that's very, it represents our brand so well. And you get three people that are passionate about shoes in a room. You're gonna have three really different opinions about what they should be, what what the technology should be, how prevalent the technology should be, what you should be using it for. So that whole process, I think with the team and our partners that are helping us uh, make the shoe and bring it to life has been really, really healthy because, um, because it, it sort of expands, the, uh, expands the, um, the set of data that you have going into something. So, uh, but at the end of the day, again, it's not a democracy. Somebody's got to make the call. And somebody so, has to be willing to say, if this thing fails, you do not have to look at the process. You do not have to look at you got. You just got to look at one person, and um, and that's why I wanted to start a company. I wanted, I wanted the ball. Give me the ball. Have
0: just like Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and what, what's that quote from Michael Jordan? Like, I've, I've, I've uh, you've know, taken nine thousand shots, been trusted with the game winning shot like three hundred times, missed, and it's because I fail that I succeed. But there's two points right here, and, and, and usually just – I do this more for me than the listeners, but one emotional attachment. And I think this, this – for some people who have the ability to reflect and learn, I think with age, you learn to become less emotionally attached to things because you realize I don't have all the answers. If you ask 25-year-old Mike as a SEAL, like whose way is the right way, it's 100% mine. And now I see that if somebody's more passionate about something, they may see something that I don't see. And so I've, I've become less emotionally attached, but I'm dealing with this right now, Harry. And when I've got great partners, a guy named Andy Stump who's been on Rogan like six times, he's got one of the largest podcasts, clear it hot. And Nick Cush, who's just getting into business. Who's one of like the world renowned skydivers is we're a partnership at the day. I, at the end of the day, Andy and I founded the company, but I'm the majority, you know, equity holder. Is yes. Collaboration to a point, listen to people, put your perspective aside and try to hear what they're saying. But at the end of the day, you can't, this, this decision by committee will never work. And the buck has to stop with one person. And guys, fortunately,
1: fortunately now, Mike, those kind of decisions don't get us killed. Where they would have when you're 20 uh, yeah 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 yeah. I mean, I I mean by committee. I mean by committee. I mean imagine imagine this is will be easy for everyone to understand. Also, uh I should full disclosure, I've never been a SEAL, so I just want to say that. So anything I say that's not right leader. I'm Same wrong. thing. No, no, can no. you imagine can you imagine being on a mission and then having whoever was the the uh the mission leader turn to the team and say, What do you guys want to do? I mean, how's that mission gonna go down? <laughs>
0: Uh, actually Mark was in a movie where yeah, right? they did that and yeah. it turned out uh horrible, that's, that that's a whole different up. subject. One, he yeah. did a great job with that film, but, um, no, that, that's a key point is heavy is the head that wears the crown in your title. At the end of the day, even though there's, there's, there's multiple co-founders is CEO and the buck stops with you. And sometimes it's making that hard decision, which I found that a lot of people just don't want to make that hard decision and it's not what's best for people. It's what's right for the organization. And that's, uh, that's hard. Hey, let me ask you this, man. So again, we, we hit it early in the podcast, you guys short of launch COVID hits. What was the lowest moment for you? And, and don't, don't everyone questions their decisions where, and I know for me, it's like when I'm at my worst, I look at my, my, my wife and I'm like, I think I made a huge mistake did you hit that at some point during COVID and just say like, either I think I made a huge mistake or, Hey, I think we're going to fail. And even people who I know are the most resilient that drive through things have that moment. Did you have that moment during COVID?
1: I didn't have the, I didn't have that feeling that we were going to fail. I, I felt every day that, the that if i didn't bring my best that day that people were going to lose jobs so I, I but i didn't feel like municipal wouldn't exist we were far enough along in the planning where i could see this is something that has real um potential and value what it, what the value is who knows but the value isn't zero but I just felt the keen sense of responsibility that I didn't want anyone to lose their job. I did not want anyone to have COVID and the yeah. uncertainty of not being employed. So um, so which low days were they? Were they all of them? Because that's a lot of fucking pressure. And I think that um, in hindsight, what, uh, what, what, I did sort of instinctively um and some some consciously is i really leaned on my values hard hard and i challenged myself to not be the smallest version of myself during that time which is a natural thing to hold up and you know cocoon up i challenged myself to be the largest version of myself and um and to to um to put myself in motion so there's um there's something that uh that really inspired me years ago and it was somebody it was actually talking about by being bipolar and this person said you know when you're bipolar and you kind of you have these big swings from euphoria to depression and when you're when you're in your euphoric part you that's the, the nice part is that feels really good and you feel like you're unstoppable the and uh bulletproof the the challenge is you feel like you're bulletproof <laughs> so and you don't nobody bulletproof you don't weigh, yeah you don't weigh you don't weigh risk you don't weigh um you don't you don't synthesize data in the same way you get tunnel vision that that's a problem and when you're depressed I think everybody can understand that that, that makes you feel like yeah. you're in you're 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 vulnerable to everything and the um this is a really simple construct but when you're when you when you are aware that you're in that euphoric moment that's the time when you need to force yourself to slow down so just peace and quiet and be contemplative so and then conversely when you're in that depressive state that's the time to force yourself to get into motion and so if in as simple as if you if you're feeling depressed um which we all have those moments of um of feeling vulnerable and feeling uh whether it's imposter syndrome or whatever that that really gets you um that holds you back get into motion make a phone call write something down go for a walk don't just sit there and let your own you know your own uh brain chemistry or, or words in your, you know, your, the, the bad voices in your, in your brain pound you down. Um, and so I really was thinking about that a lot during that time. It was like, when I felt down and I felt alone and isolated, forced myself to make a phone call, call a teammate, get on a zoom call and just connect, call my partners come up with something think about the future you know whatever it is and and that that really helped helped me as a leader during that time when leader being the leader is alone under is feels alone under the best of circumstances so heavy
0: is the head heavy is oh the my head
1: oh it's just like it's so it's so lonely people stop telling you things they stop talking to you they you know it, it, uh so that was um to answer your original question, I would say every day. Every day, I was in—I yeah. was challenging myself to to not cocoon up and 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 feel like the grass was greener, and to uh, from a personal standpoint, go back to my values, and from a business standpoint, go back to the vision of what we wanted to be, and that that kept me optimistic, um, even in yeah. a time when there wasn't a lot to be optimistic about. No. It, it, which, which makes two
0: questions, but it, it's interesting you say about depression in just forcing yourself to move. If you look at national disasters um, across all spectrum of national disasters and survivability, the, the, the higher survival rate is for those that actually leap into action, just keep on moving or, or conducting some sort of action. It, in a lot of ways, it has to do with victimhood. When you're in depression, you feel like a victim and it's yeah. very easy to stay there. Let, let me ask you this because, you know, here you're, you're, you're built differently than most people. And you can see hardship for what it is and that you need to keep moving forward in some way, even if that's one step forward in a way, but for a lot of the people that joined municipal also took risk compared to you. Did you find you had to leap into maybe explaining the vision and cheerleading or coaching people to stay on, on the path, despite the, let's be honest, COVID was, was fucking horrible. I felt like I was back on deployment, like stuck on a base, overseas yeah. that you can't leave. And it's a small base. Did you find that you had to like lean on those leadership skills you knew you had, you learned over the the, the 30 years? Uh, did you find you had to like actually lead at a greater extent
1: during those times? Absolutely. And um, I guess I also to Mike, I, I didn't feel, I did not feel like I needed to get in front of the team and tell them that I knew, I knew how we were going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. All I, all I really kept going back to was we we've gotten it to this point because we have a great idea. We've gotten to this point because we have been committed to this. We have this thing going on. That's way outside of our control. We meaning Mark Lev and I are committed to this business. We are not gonna we are not gonna bail on it. It's going to look different. So we're gonna have to really preserve cash, which is gonna put it's gonna feel different, but guess what? There's a pandemic here, so life is different. And but we have enough faith in ourselves and we have enough faith in the the group that we're going to figure out a way that, to get through this and to to come out whatever if there's another end of it. We're going to figure out a way to come out a better, a better company and a better group, and um, that's all that we can commit to. Because I don't know what that looks like. I just know we're going to launch this business at some point, and we're going to get through it, and um, we're committed. That that was really as simple as it got, and to remind the team over and over again that that's the case. And we didn't have all the answers, but I I must have said a thousand times. I don't have all the answers, but I know somehow within this team we're going to come up with something that we can all get behind and keep going.
0: That's 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 inspiring. So you guys have made it through COVID. You're thriving. Where does municipal go from here? What are you most excited about in leading it into the next uh, decade?
1: Got new categories. I mentioned I mentioned shoes. Shoes. I'm so. I'm so pumped up for what we're doing in that category. I'm really, I'm really excited for that. I think people are going to be really in, jacked up about the product we have and what our take on it is. We're opening up our first retail locations this year. Um, yeah, so we got we got one coming in in the fall. Um, LA. here in San Diego, and we oh, got one coming in LA. We have one coming in Las Vegas where Mark is, and so we, we're we going to go from like having only being online for the most part to having maybe as many as maybe six retail locations in the next year. And I think our concept, I'm so excited about that too. So it's sort of like represents our brand. Like who would, who would, who would your retail concept remind you of? It's like, I don't think it's going to remind anybody of anything. I think they're going to walk in and think, this is the place I always wanted to exist. Um, and then... We're expanding internationally over the next two years, which we're really excited about. And then you'll start to see us in more places, I guess. So um, we feel like just in in classic terms, we feel like we've proven the concept and it's time now to expand and we're scaling, which brings a whole other different set of problems. So maybe have me back on in a year and see how big the bags under my eyes are. And uh, But people are going to start okay. seeing, us, seeing us a lot more. Yeah.
0: No, well, first off, done. And and it's interesting going to a brick and mortar. I, you know, one company or business model that I, I've seen that's done this absolutely well, based out of Austin here, is a, is a boot company called Tecovis, which sort of disrupted a legacy yeah. industry. Um, but they're brick and mortars. And I'm sure you guys are focusing on customer experience. But the second you step into one of their stores, one all you smell is leather and before you know it you've got a whiskey in your hand with one of those big ice cubes and yeah it's just done well man um are you, are you guys trying to definitely differentiate yourselves uh, on the customer experience for that first step they take uh,
1: that's all it is so we really want we don't want to be an errand municipal cannot be an errand it needs to be a destination so when you go there we want you hanging out and i think the the cool part about our brand is we literally are the favorite brand of people from from 13 or 14 to 90 years old. So you can imagine what that might look like and feel like in that kind of, that kind of environment from the types of partnerships we're bringing in mm-hmm. to um, the types of programming, I say, the types of events we'll have, because also the name municipal, if we're there, it has to add value to the community. We don't want to just be some dumb retail location that you, an errand that you have to, you pass by and think, I'll pop in and buy a pair of underwear. That's not what our brand's all about. So um, the customer experience is everything to us. We've started with we started with that if if we're walking in, what are the things that we would want to have happen in a pretty large format environment? and uh, we're we're really excited about it. and I guess the the other thing I would say is we know it's not gonna be right right out of the gate, but the 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 one you walk into. In October, it's probably going to be different in November based on what we learn in October. And that's, that's in San Diego?
0: Is yeah, the first that, that will be San
1: Diego. Okay. And um, it depends on whether that one's first or one in Vegas is first. But I think people are going to be really, really enthusiastic about it. Got it.
0: San Diego, that's my old stomping grounds, man. So I'll have to make sure that I, I make on it happen. down. There. Harry, um, well, dude, you, you tell me if you, if you give a seal discount, I'll, I'll, I'll get the all the western. We Coast actually teams do. There, we
1: actually do. We take care of our, our men and women uniform. They're really, they're really uh, important to us, and it's such a part of being here. In the in you mentioned it, like we're we're a little bit sou- we're connected to the largest uh, marine base in the world, and we're thirty miles north of like the coolest place on earth, Coronado, where they train you guys to protect us. So, uh, if you're if you're active duty or retired, you never pay full price municipal, baby. They, we we had to work
0: that in there. No, we do appreciate uh, uh, the discounts, especially on Veterans Day when you get Applebees for uh, for free. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, well, Harry, we 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 end this podcast in a certain way. And then we're gonna take all the guests we've had from Sammy Hagar to, to you know uh Dave Batista to you. You have the red rocker, you have the red rocker on the
1: show? Oh amazing. Bro.
0: He was one, he looks great for his age, despite how many. If, if I can here. have
1: if I can have half the energy, what how old's how's Sammy? Seventy four? I mean he's uh, he's, he's, he's yeah, up something there. like that. Yeah. Now now similar to you, he's
0: got an eye for branding. And and he was the first to admit he's like, hey, I can I I can envision a brand, and then I got to go find the people to to come in and run the company. You you've got both. Hey, I only CMOs, know about Cabo
1: because of him, but that was you know it was thirty years
0: ago or whatever, right? Put it on the map. Put it on yeah. the map. Um, so we end with this: as if you were talking to your kids and you wanted to impart wisdom. What are the three keys to success for Harry that you would want other people to know about, so they could take those breadcrumbs and possibly implement it? into their lives?
1: Well, I I, number one is if the only way to to the only way to real like happiness and contentment, which which ultimately will be success in my opinion, is to follow your values. And to follow them, if if you're gonna follow them, you have to know what they are. (laughs) So the earlier there's it's never too early to talk about that um with your kids. And then The, the, the second part of that to me is it's pretty easy. Dream it up, plan around it, hustle, repeat. It's as simple as that. Nothing great exists in your head. It all exists out there. So get, get out there, try stuff. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, and then the, the, the third thing is, uh, which is equally as important is don't try to meet someone else's expectations just it's talk about fool's gold mike if you try to meet other people's expectations you're never going to meet your own so you know always set your standards higher than everyone else's and um do what you want to do follow your own passion not the passion (laughs) of somebody else if you if you're a doctor because you're dot you're your, your parents wanted you to be a doctor. You're not going to be a very happy doctor. And if you're not a happy doctor, you're not going to be a very good one.
0: It's written in this, uh, this book right here um, is Know Thyself. No one can define success other than you, man. And we were just ta- I was just talking to Pat Williams in Orlando about it, uh, who has a radio show. You know, I, I learned from a guy named Dr. Johnny Kim, one of the most remarkable human beings. I went to Bud's SEAL training with him, uh, L.A., first-generation Korean uh, American. His dad was an alcoholic, abusive. He actually called the police on his dad in his senior year. Uh, there was a standoff. His dad was shot and killed. But Navy SEAL was awarded the Silver Star, then the Bronze Star, two, two battles back-to-back. Navy sent him back to college to uh, to become an officer. He finished uh, mathematics with a 4.0. They wanted to send him back to the SEAL teams as an officer. He wanted to become a Navy doctor. He got into Harvard, became a Harvard-educated doctor three years after being a doctor applied for NASA out of 18,000 applicants. He was one of 12 selected, became an astronaut. All of this by the age of 34. What a failure. uh, Dude, I know. We we, we say he's the least (laughs) hardest working man in the SEAL teams. And he's still the most humble, kind, empathetic, respectful dude. But he said he had the hardest time because his dad had a very different definition of success. And as a man, he had to to, to, I guess, rectify what he wanted and what he defined as success. And he said, he wants that passed on to his kids. Don't be me. If you want to be a pianist, just pour into it and follow your dreams. Um, I, I found that powerful. I do have to ask you this, follow your values because it sounds like a Hallmark card and I believe mm-hmm. it. Is there a, a, a scenario where for expediency, just to secure success, you had to comp- contemplate breaking your own values, values.
1: I, I think it happens all the time um you know you're in any leadership role or any any pursuit you're constantly challenged um by things that are going to be more convenient it's more convenient not to it's more convenient um eating easier it's a lot easier to just avoid telling somebody something if you value if you value integrity and you value um you know th- learning and. It's a lot easier to avoid those kinds of things, certainly. So it happens all the time, but if you know what they are, then yeah. the path becomes a lot easier. It's it's it it's not it's not complex, really. You know, um, and you learn a lot of that. You do you do learn from experience, and you do learn from getting older. Mistakes, yeah, yeah, and you learn the mistakes, and you kind of go back and realize the times that that I was unhappiest were the times when I felt like I was really outside of yeah. those values. Yeah.
0: On any given day, what needs to occur for you as a man? Workouts, anything, family time, what
1: is it for you? Mine is absolutely getting a workout in, getting cardio in. Not because it makes me look uh, like the chiseled beast that I am. Uh, I'm not a chiseled beast. (laughs) But it's the only thing I have found that gets my brain chemistry right to get out of my head and feeling like I'm going to live a life realized. So I have to do something. And I I've forced myself over the years to embrace the fact that an imperfect workout is better than no workout at all. So even if it's 15 or 20 minutes of, of 13 minute mile pace around the neighborhood, like looking like an old guy, that's so much better than doing nothing. Um, for for my brain chemistry and nothing else.
0: You may have in, inadvertently just told people it's okay to just go to the gym and be on your phone the entire time. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll whatever see. it takes, whatever it takes. So, first off, leading into this question, how many hours a day do you think you work on uh, on your given companies?
1: I mean, I think it's a, it's it's what uh, uh it's what drives my passion. So, I don't I wouldn't even be able to quantify it. I'm thinking about something all the time. And when I'm at my best, I'm thinking about the things that inspire me, not the day to day you know b s in the business that you have to be thinking about administrative uh, things, paperwork, tasks, knocking off the checklist. that's that's not really what uh, what is absorbing me and the non kind of office hours. But I would say if I'm awake, 18 hours. I'm thinking about something related to the business or learning all 18, really. I mean, if, if learning is part of running a business and it should be, then it's, it's every waking hour. So for you, in
0: terms of staying efficient time management, what, what do you utilize to stay on task? Cause I know you've got a long list. Is it like time blocking, staying off social media? What works for Harry?
1: Oh, well, I mean, I have pretty significant attention deficit So the, my way of accomplishing things tends to be a a boat kind of rocking in the ocean a little bit. So I have to plan like the next day, the night before. And, um, and I'm also at the same time, I don't love surprises. So if I can get a picture of how the day is going to be the night before I go into the next day, a lot more calmer and a lot more confident that I'm going to have, um, that I'm going to add value to to the business and the teams and our customers and stuff the next day. So it always starts the night before. And again, it's just like a workout. I don't have to make that perfect an hour, you know, workaholic, sit there. It's it's literally look at my phone and get a picture of what's going to happen um, for that day. And then also that drives a lot when I want to show up, uh, literally show up in the office because um, that's the other thing about about um, being a, an entrepreneur and having your own businesses is, is, is you don't have to conform to however you've worked in the past based on whatever the, the industry or, or company requirements were. You, can, you, you really can set it up however you feel you're going to be the most successful.
0: Yeah. Currently alive today, who do you respect or look up to and why?
1: It's not really a person. It's a category. And honestly, it's working moms. I mean, the, the working moms of the world are the heroes to me. I have a bunch on my team and it just, it blows me away what they're able to accomplish and the requirements on, uh, their time, their emotional energy, but to also hold that their family requirements and, um, and having careers is mind-blowing to me that, that they're able to do it. I, I'm fortunate that, uh, that I, don't have to, I don't have to live up to that standard.
0: <laughs> to, to sacrifice all your your needs for the good of your children to, to give them a better life, man. I agree with you. I did have sort of a reminiscent sort of vision of Bill Murray and Kingpins, but that's a different story <laughs> if you've ever seen that clip. Um, I have. I was looking looking
1: for my. I was looking for my rubber hand to pull that out. Yeah.
0: So, hey, lastly, man, what 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 would you want the listeners to take away from this podcast?
1: There's no such thing as perfect, and I I found as as um, somebody that that started my own company, co-founded a company pretty late in my career. You know, I was 49. That what had kind of gotten in my way was certainly not desire, but a misconception or a misperception of what is required to to uh, to do that. And um, I guess the big headline is whatever you bring to the table is enough. Is enough at the end of the day when you're in it, um, but you got to just get going and get out of your head. Throw away any any constructs you have that have anything to do with perfectionism because that'll get in your way every single time of actually accomplishing good things.
0: Perfection is a, is a fucking mirage. It yeah, it really is. It's, it's fool's gold. Man.
1: It's fool's gold, isn't it? I mean, it's, uh, I wish, I wish, uh, I wish this version of me could have told the 22 year, two year old version of me that, or the 12 year old version of me that. That would have saved I, I me ju- many, many years of heartache. I just
0: had Stephen Kotler on. If you know Stephen Kotler, yeah, like 14 uh-huh. novels. Okay. He just wrote a book called NAR Country. Um, and it's all about the superpowers of aging. And he taught himself to park ski at the age of 53, which is unheard of, uh, within three months. And he was doing some major tricks. But the superpowers of aging, as he said, is one, diversion thinking, creativity, intelligence, abstract reasoning, empathy, and wisdom. If you can tap into those, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can do anything that you put your uh, your mind to more so than your 22-year-old uh, self. That's that's great. So, Harry, last question, man. When all is said and done, and, and we we asked this to Steven Kotler, who's the last one. He's like, ah, I'm not concerned about this. I, and, I, I, you know, that's, that's fair. I beg to disagree because it does. It, it does. I don't want to say haunt me, but it concerns me. When all is said and done, let's say that's 50 years from now for you in your 90s, maybe young, young 101. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be known for?
1: It could be because I just watched, um, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. If you've seen that, that show, that movie, or it's a book, but I, I really, and I say this to, to my kids, I really just want people to remember that, um, that I was kind and, I tried tried to give voice to those that didn't have it, and uh, and at the end of the day, and that's why I tell my younger daughter that every room was better because I was in it. That's kind of it, and and I guess I guess what I'm getting at is is everyone's story is their own story, and if you're if you if you're trying to model your life or your career or your success after something you read or, or the way Bob Iger did it or the way Nelson Mandela did it, then you're really missing the point because it's only written that way because someone chose to write it that way. But really what it comes down to is the people that are the most successful and the, and the happiest are the ones that are doing it their way authentically. That's, that's the bottom line. I love it, I love it
0: brother. Harry, I've, I've learned a lot on this podcast, man. Um, I, I want to congratulate you. Uh, definitely, definitely haven't watching that, that, that series, which was a great series in watching you struggle, which requires a bit of vulnerability, uh, not a bit.
1: I'm a glad that of was entertaining for you, Mike. I'm glad oh, struggle was so entertaining for you. Right, it's been, <laughs> hey,
0: sometimes it's better to watch others struggle than, than to go through it yourself, but yeah, we amen were to that. for you.
1: Amen to that.
0: And brother, you guys are here today, in Municipal. We're still so, here. Man, I,
1: We're still here. I can't
0: wait to see these uh, these stores open up. I can't wait to see the uh, the shoe line. Of course, we'll drop the link everywhere, man. And if people can't find Municipal, the the problem is you, not uh, <laughs> uh, them, not not you. So again, thank you for coming on, man. Thanks, All right, guys, Mike. this has been the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.